2: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the state of play for your money. Stocks brushing off almost any risk or worry that comes along. So what does that mean for where we go from here? We debate that with our investment committee. Joining me for the hour, Josh Brown, Steve Weiss, John Najarian. And Kerry Firestone, the CEO of Arius Asset Management. Let's go to the wall. Take a look at stocks on track for their fourth positive week in the past five. New record today for the S&P. Dow's above 30. Josh Brown, you heard Carl just say banks, airlines, retail, all strong. Boeing, emerging markets. Take your pick. All while the fangs, by the way, as you point out, are taking a bit of a break.
0: If you ask me what's the best case scenario for um, the market into the end of the year, like what would you want to see if you were bullish, Um, I would say this whole narrative about how it's like the top five stocks driving the whole market, I would like to see that come to an end and everything else play catch up and start to participate. And that is literally what we've seen take place. We had a breadth thrust um, a week and a half ago where almost every stock – broke back above its 200-day. We now have more S&P 500 components that are up on the year than down on the year for the first time since March. And the FANGs really are doing nothing. Like, I think Alphabet is the best recent performer, but they're not part of this. And you don't need them. So that whole narrative out the window that this is index fund money, and it's only Apple driving everything, and Microsoft, and blah, 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 it's gone. Now, you have a broad-based rally It's not based on nonsense. Companies have rising earnings expectations, almost every sector. Um, You've even got a performance set of companies that six months ago, you could have made a case to me that they would be bankrupt and I would have believed it. Um, You now have those stocks leading uh, the rally on certain days. Um, And when you ask me, like, what else would you want to see besides that? How could things get better? Then I'd point to international stocks, new all-time high for German stocks yesterday. Japan approaching 30-year highs on the Nikkei 225. Um, and you've got emerging markets versus SPY. That ratio chart is now positive, emerging, starting to outperform uh, across the board. So, like, if you're bearish, you're certainly not looking at price. I don't know what you're looking at. No. And if you're bullish, you now have everything that you would have wanted to see into year-end. It seems like, John Nigerian, n-
2: nothing really matters. I mean, for the sake of debate and discussion, I've raised the issue of rising COVID deaths, rising COVID cases. I've raised the issue of very highly valued tech growth stocks. I've raised the issue of no stimulus. I've raised the issue of rising interest rates lately. I've raised the issue of the vaccine rollout timing broadly. It seems like nothing matters. Nothing at all matters.
3: Um, And I love when you play devil's advocate like that, Scott. Um, But you and I both know that the stimulus talks have not been this close for a long time. Uh, There's that bipartisan agreement for 908 billion, 908 billion. Um, There's also Mitch McConnell moving up to about 600 billion. We've not been that close in forever. Not since the CARES Act, really. Forget about this so-called Heroes Act or whatever they're calling it now, Scott. So I think there's a little optimism about that. Obviously, the rollout of the vaccine, the fact that uh, over in the UK, things are starting to loosen up and so forth, even though their cases are still quite high. And the country's in either one, two, or three, according to their lockdowns. I guess London's at category two. But uh, in other words, that light at the end of the tunnel, Scott, from the vaccines hitting next week in the UK perhaps rolling out in the United States very shortly after that. And the fact that that stimulus has been moving up from 600 bill to that hundred and nine billion dollar level. I think those are two really positive things that people are focused on right now as far as catalysts.
2: Yeah, getting a ramp in the S&P again. I mean, there's the Russell small caps doing well. 1857 where the Russell is today, that's better than one percent. So, Kerry. We have a, a spirited debate and conversation yesterday about the state of these highly valued tech growth stocks, be it in enterprise software or the cloud. And all that happens today is Okta rips, Zscaler rips, Snowflake rips, CrowdStrike rips. Rip. All off of their earnings, all of those stocks are, are basically all-time highs Uh, except for Snowflake, and that's not all that far. It hasn't even been public that long, and it's up 180% since September the 16th. It goes back to my nothing matters market.
4: Well,
5: of course, something matters. Uh, One of the things that matters in this environment is enthusiasm and sentiment. And you have a lot of individuals, retail traders, with an app, that's in their hand, and they are buying these kind of stocks. If you look at the ownership of several of the companies in the tech space, I mean, it started with Zoom in March, and Peloton, and Novavax, and, you know, we can go through the list, um, but there's an enthusiasm in the retail world about owning stocks that have an exciting platform i i i wonder whether they could describe the distinction between these different companies or or even frankly if i can tell you a lot about the differences but it's what's going up that matters and you buy it on your app and it trades higher and it can be 50 to 60 percent of all trades in one day but the other fact that you've brought up which is really important scott is that in an environment where you have a november Up 11 percent. I mean, 11 percent is incredible. We had one other month this year that was up over 10 percent. April, you have to go back to 1991 to find a better month. And if you look at what happens after that kind of big month, I mean, logic would say, well, it's got to go down. I mean, they're going to test some lows. There's going to be correction. We've got a little chart that Vinny put together that shows that in the times over the last 30 years when the market has gone up 7% or more, there's 20 data points, 18 of which have six months to look forward to see what happened after that sharp month, it shows the average is up 6.4 percent so because the market has gone up doesn't mean that enthusiasm wanes or that sentiment starts to fall off we have yeah we have fundamentals we have stimulus we have low interest rates we've got a weak dollar that's going to help us companies and the savings rate has gone to 14 percent people are going to start to spend more money despite the fact that we're in a pandemic a recession and hospitals are full Okay. The, the environment I, I is one it. in which investors look way ahead. I got
2: it. Um, Steve, this tells me that we're no longer in a growth or value market. This is a growth and value market. Is that, is that what you guys are saying to me? That seems to be what Josh and the rest of the, the folks, Steve, laid out to me, that you no longer as an investor have to make that call. It's just buy growth and buy value. You don't necessarily have to buy FANG to get growth. But you can buy the stocks I mentioned that are ripping. Don't be concerned about their valuations anymore because their earnings say that they're justifying the reason why they are where they are. Okta up 9% today, Zscaler, Snowflake, CrowdStrike, and you're going to get more uh, coming down the road today, too.
6: Yep. I mean, Scott, you know, you're so old school. You're caring about things that just don't matter, like valuation. (laughs) Uh, I'm being a little (laughs) facetious, but... The only thing that matters now (laughs) is execution, so if your execution continues to be positive and you continue to surprise to the upside, even a little because, you know, we'll see Zoom recover even though they beat the estimates and nicely and fell down, but execution is the key because this is a momentum market and the market's forward-looking. Will it be justified? My biggest concerns are not the, uh, not the tech stocks, not the growth stocks, but the industrial stocks. Because they're, they're, if the economy does not reverse and improve, and you pointed out all the right things, okay. if it doesn't improve, then these things really have no air below them. But I don't see that happening. I mean, we're effectively going into the, into the fifth industrial revolution. The fourth one doesn't get talked about that much as the red zone which I think we'd all agree is an industrial revolution, but we're digitizing everything. Demand is being pulled forward for technology in ways we've never seen before. So the market's looking to that, looking to the future. Mm-hmm. In terms of the vaccine- Hang on a second, Weiss, look, look, I, real quick, I, I, I think forgive, gotta,
2: me. forgive me for yeah. interrupting you. I'll come back to you right after this. Let me go down to DC sure. to our Ilan Moy. She has breaking news regarding the Fed, Ilan.
4: Well, Scott, the Senate has now confirmed Christopher Waller to the Fed's Board of Governors. The final vote tally was 48 to 47, almost entirely along party lines, though Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, a Republican, did vote against him. But Waller was a relatively uncontroversial nominee, research director at the St. Louis Fed, an expert on monetary theory, and now the newest member of the Fed's Board of Governors. Also want to mention quickly that this does appear to be the end of the line for Judy Shelton's nomination. Three Republican senators had already come out against her nomination. And with yesterday swearing in of Democrat Mark Kelly as a senator from Arizona, replacing Republican Martha McSally, this looks like the end of the line for her as the GOP no longer has the votes to confirm her. So that seat will remain empty. But the Senate now confirming Christopher Waller to the Fed's Board of Governors. Scott.
2: Appreciate that. Ilan, thanks for that update. Ilan Moy down in uh, D.C. for us. Steve Weiss, back to you, as you were saying.
6: Yeah, so so each time we've seen the market move, we've talked in the past, okay, can the market move without Apple? Can the market move without the fangs? And we've seen that it could. There's trading at highs, but they've been relative laggards. And then we said, okay, can the market move without the banks coming back? So we always have that rotating conversation, and it's the right conversation to have at the time. But we've seen that the market's rotating quickly. Now it's raising all ships. So I'm still positive on the market, but again, wouldn't be surprised if we wake up one day and it's down five or ten percent because those are markets. But the trend is higher, unmistakable. So
2: Josh, what about this idea? Instead of growth or value, now it's as you laid out, this increasing breadth in the market. It's growth and value. Is is that are we just supposed to just buy the market?
0: Well, this has been my strategy. So I wanted to have stocks that thrive in any environment and have seen demand pulled forward, adoption pulled forward by um, the work from anywhere environment. Um, But then I also wanted to make sure that as the vaccine rollout came about, stocks that had been discounting like end of world scenarios, I would have exposure to those also. So when, when you look at the names that I've been talking about all year, Like um, Starbucks just broke 100 today for the first time, like heading to a new record high. That one's gone. Forget it. Uh, That's a reopen stock. Look at Simon Property Group, beasting, beasting. It was $60 a couple of months ago. They were saying, like, it's over forever. This will probably be $100. So, like, I wanted to have exposure to that stuff. I didn't want airlines per se, but I wanted reopen stocks. And now you're in this environment where they're going up in concert with the Red Hots. And those names that you reeled off, I think it's important to point out, they're not even in the S&P. Zscaler, not in the S&P, it's in the Russell 1000. Elastic NV, CrowdStrike, um, Okta, DocuSign's not even in the S&P. Um, Moderna's not. Like, there's a whole nother level for some of these names as institutions who are managing portfolios against that benchmark um, discover them. And that's after they've already gone up hundreds of percentage points. So I think that's a part of the story that we're not even telling uh, as often as we should. Every point you make in a stock like Okta or Lemonade or Zscaler, that's pure alpha. It's not in the index. And they're gigantic market caps. They're big enough for some of the biggest hedge funds in the country to be involved with and have them move the needle. So it's a very rare situation to have this many $10, $20, 30000000000 billion market caps outside of the index that you can generate alpha in, and you're seeing them do that. And I've talked about what Chase Coleman's been doing at, uh, at, at Tiger Global. Some of the savviest um, uh, growth-oriented hedge funds are in these names, and that's a trade that continues to work. So that that says then, Josh, you know, as as we have a big
2: conversation and debate yesterday about whether, you know, you should be concerned about these stocks. That is an ill-advised way of thinking about these, that you can even buy these names on a day like today when they're up as much as they are. When yesterday we were raising some alarm bells, you know, Kramer was was out here, and we were having this spirited conversation. He was sarcastic on Twitter about all of the, you know, the catchphrases that people use when they talk about these kinds of stocks, TAM, Total Addressable Market, and all of these other deals. These are worthy of your money, even still.
0: Well, I missed the show yesterday. I was out shopping for the seafoam green uh, sweater. But I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> it's not that what Kramer is saying is wrong. And I'm not out there buying on a day like today. I, I was buying CrowdStrike red. Like, I was buying it 120s, 130s when everyone was lamenting um, you know, Snowflake coming out and being overvalued. Like, so, I don't, I don't say, like, oh, the stock's up 20%, get long. That's not my mentality. You know that. Uh, but I'm not a seller just because something's going up. Let's look at CrowdStrike. If you didn't listen to the call and you didn't hear what George Kurtz had to say to explain the business model, and you're just looking at a PE ratio, you should literally retire, like because that's not the business. In fact, you could not have picked a worse factor to weight a portfolio toward 10 years ago or even five years ago than trailing 12 months price earnings ratio. If that's how you built your forward-looking estimates, you underperformed every index on the planet. Um, what has been working, to Steve's point, is companies that are executing. And unfortunately, you have had to pay up for those companies. There's a reason stocks trade 20 times sales. It's because they're growing sales by 100%. In the case of CrowdStrike, 86% we found out year over year. Now, when is it ridiculous? When do we reach the bleeding edge where it no longer makes sense? I don't think news headlines or people's feelings are going to be the indicator of that. I think it'll be technical. So if you're riding these stocks and you're short term oriented, you're probably using a trailing stop. And I think that's smart. Um, and if you're a longer term investor, then hopefully you're picking your spots to buy and you're buying them red and you're not buying them plus 15 percent a day. So, John, you know, aside
2: from these leaders, let's just call these leaders. I mean, that's, the stocks have, have had huge returns. The laggards that many of you have talked about as well are being talked about now a lot on the street. Uh, Goldman Mm -hmm. Sachs, for one, calls it the laggard trade. The stock's best positioned, they say, for upside in the first quarter of 2021. United Airlines, Halliburton. Josh today mentioned Boeing, which is having a breakout. I come to you on that because you own Boeing calls, but there's Simon Property Group, which Josh owns and spoke about as well, and a shift of money that is going into stocks like this.
3: Yeah, and uh, Josh owns Simon. I own Brookfield Preferred. I think both are just going to continue to soar. Um, And as far as that first quarter by Goldman, Scott, I think you're going to be looking at uh, all of those reopened stocks. Uh, doing exceedingly well after we get through this very difficult uh, basically, (coughs) let's say 30 to 60 days here, Scott. I'm not saying it's over at that time. I'm just saying by then some of the essential workers, some of the folks in healthcare and nursing homes, as well as the people in there, uh, nursing homes in particular, are going to be getting the vaccine here in the United States. So I think once that starts hitting, you're going to see a lot of those stocks that Goldman talks about on that list do extraordinarily well to that crowd strike discussion just for a sec love the stock snowflake zscaler when you look at these Scott the other day you and I were talking about how much money can flow into these when you look at the float on these the share float you know not just the outstanding shares but the float um, most of them are quite small now that's not surprising because in the case of snowflake it just came public um, a quarter ago Um, In the case of some of these others, um, the float is similarly very small. So it is a when when we say crowded trade, when you're pushing to get into these, like Josh said, some of them are 30 billion, some of them are already 90 billion valuations. When you're pushing to get in there, it's really tough because that float is not big enough to allow those big folks in there without moving the market eight and 10 and 12 percent. And that's what you're seeing today in the likes of Snowflake and mm-hmm. the likes of CrowdStrike, um Zscaler, you know, on and on. That's what you're seeing right now.
2: Yeah, I mean look, there's a reason why Buffett and and Brad Gersner of Altimeter were were in Snowflake in the manner in, in which they were and, and what they see. And oh by the way, Frank Slootman, one of the I think reasons, at least Gersner has laid this out, um we obviously haven't talked to Buffett about it, but Frank slootman is going to be on Mad Money uh tonight. It's a exclusive interview with Jim and Mr. Slootman, uh, he uh, runs Snowflake. You don't want to miss that uh, for certain after this stock's meteoric rise uh, since going public not all that long ago. Uh, Weiss, let's talk about a move you made sort of in this value conversation. You sold Ford, which is interesting to me. I thought you were all in on these uh, automakers now, GM and Ford. Uh,
6: I do own GM, and I want to thank you for – I want to thank Jim for putting me in that – because it adds humility to my portfolio, so not everything's going up. Uh, in terms of Ford, look, I think you're right about the economy. The economy has been slowing, I think it recovers. But what's held constant, as a matter of fact, what keeps improving are used car prices. And that's a factor of new car prices, scarcity of inventory, number one, and number two, those prices, you're not seeing as many incentives. So I will still wanna be in the space so I sold my Ford, which I've done very, very well on, and instead bought CarParts.com, which is a used, which is a, a, an online company that sells auto parts. They sell it into the do-it-yourself market. They sell it into the dealers. And I just thought there was much more upside from selling into the used car market where you've got to buy parts to fix the cars. And they don't have sort of the guaranteed warranties that others do. So I'm still there. It's once again, where can I generate the most alpha? Where can I get the greatest return? And to me, it's carparts.com and not Ford at this point.
2: Carrie, what about you uh, in the in the auto space? Um, it's been, autos have been hot. GM and Ford have been cooking, as, as Steve just said. Are you in there at all? And if not, why?
5: Yeah. So the only auto-related stock we have is Vontier, which is a company that does measurements at gas stations and all types of food. Uh, fueling stations, and we bought that through the spin-out from Danaher, and then it came out of Fortive. It's an industrial. It was selling for a very cheap multiple 12 times forward earnings. Um, we've looked at a few of the names that have had enormous runs, various auto parts, O'Reilly, for example. All of them have been great, components companies to um, electric vehicles, Active uh, for example. Great, great stock. But you can't, uh, well, we have not chased them. We bought something recently, an industrial related to um, the whole logistics and transportation market. Uh, again, as Steve said, the used car business has been great. People have been driving. They haven't been flying. It's a, sort of a hot area. But, you know, we have a, a, a portfolio of uh, 30 to 35 names. That's all. It's valuable mm-hmm. real estate. And we put there what, you know, we think is the best opportunities.
2: I got you, Josh. I mean, when you talk about GM, for example, it's up 30, 50 percent, excuse me, 50 percent in just three months. And you have prior pointed out that this thing was ready for a breakout.
0: Yeah, that's all I do is is eat Charleston shoes and buy breakouts, bro. And this is like. <laughs> It's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap. 10 years of the same story, yeah, we get it, it's cheap. Tell me when it's cheap and also going up. That's when I get interested. Uh, I could point to a lot of things that are cheap, cheap for a reason. GM is transforming itself. They are, taking, they are taking their cues now from what Tesla's been able to do. They probably should have figured this out five years ago, but whatever. They are retrofitting three of their massive manufacturing operations in the United States to do purely electric cars They're pushing Cruise to be the first autonomous uh, taxi service in a major city. Allegedly, they'll be live in San Francisco very soon. If anyone still lives there, that'll be great for them. And what I'm interested in (laughs) is stocks where the sellers melt away. And that's what happened to GM. So it's not, by the way, pull up a five-year chart. It's not a coincidence that it rallied right up until 45, 46 and stopped. Go look at late 2017. That was the prior peak right at this level. Price has memory. Bag holders from 17 who are waiting to get back to even, that's where the overhead supply is. They will be cleaned up. And remember what was going on in the global economy in 17. Remember this meme, um, synchronized global recovery? Okay, well that's what 21 is starting to look like. Go look at international stock markets, go look at global currencies. That is the story that investors are telling with price. And in that environment, GM should do well and I think will exceed that prior peak from 2017. The stock should have a five handle. I think it's inevitable. Um, so I'm staying long. But I'm not long because it's valuation. I'm long because it's going up.
2: Yeah, and it certainly is as we're talking. All right. Thank you for that. Coming up straight ahead. Inside Georgia Senator David Perdue's stock trades. New York Times reporter Kate Kelly has the story. You do not want to miss that. That's coming up next. And coming up today, 2 Eastern, is CNBC Evolve Livestream. We're talking the pandemic, the state of media companies, featuring Spotify's Don Ostroff, Blacklist founder Franklin Leonard, Bloom House founder Jason Bloom. To register, you can visit cnbcevents.com slash evolve livestream. We're back in two minutes. oil make a little bit of a creep higher brian sullivan has breaking news on that regarding opec brian
7: yeah really after really three days scott i mean they had the official meeting on monday the meeting today with opec plus but they met over the weekend prior so really this is sort of day three opec has come to a conclusion the official statement not out yet but my sources inside of opec are telling me that they have agreed to a very slight production increase beginning in january now Here's how it's going to work. And OPEC, very confusing given what they did last year, guys. Remember, they agreed to a $9.9 million, million per barrel per day cut. That is now $7.7 million. They're going to reduce that by 500,000 barrels per day beginning January 1st. The whole $2 million barrel per day cut was supposed to roll off. So this is a reduction of the planned increase. In other words, sort of more, even though they're adding barrels it is actually more bullish for oil prices because it is not as much as some in the market had feared. So they're gonna be adding 500,000 barrels a day to the global market. It was a lot of negotiation, very tense situation, guys, but that's what's going to happen. They're gonna plan to add another 500,000 a day in February and another 500 in March, but they will meet in the first week of every month to review it to make sure they go through with that. So the only thing we can say affirmatively, 500,000 barrels will be added in January. Guys, from a stock perspective, this is a gift to the US oil and gas industry. If they would have not come to a deal and had another price war or flooded the market, every country for itself, the price of crude would have gone probably to the low to mid thirties. You would have seen the equities collapse. We are seeing many of the big cap names do well on this decision more bullish. I know Josh has said or has or does own Schlumberger. That stock is up three and a half to four percent. Oxy, Conoco, Hess, they're all up, guys. So OPEC going to be a formal decision soon, but I can report it now from my sources. Adding 500,000 barrels a day, a little more bullish than some of the market had feared. The stocks, as you can see, they are reacting. Back to you, Scott. All right. Good stuff,
2: Sully. Thanks so much. That's Brian Sullivan. Let's get the latest headlines now with Sue Herrera. Hi, Sue.
8: Hello, Scott. Good to see you. Hello, everybody. Here's what's happening at this hour. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell saying there has been positive movement towards an agreement on a new coronavirus aid bill. But Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says despite a new proposal getting bipartisan support, McConnell seems unlikely to compromise. And just moments ago, President Trump indicated he would support a COVID aid deal. Facebook says it will now start removing false claims about coronavirus vaccines that have been debunked by public health officials. U.S. airlines shed nearly 29,000 employees through the month ending in mid-October. This is federal restrictions on layoffs expired. Since March, airline employment is down more than 81,000 workers. And here's one for you. The AAA finds men are more aggressive than women behind the wheel. The study found men are more likely to have aggressive driving behaviors in five categories, including speeding, tailgating, and rudely gesturing at other drivers. But, Scott, I'm not sure. I know a lot of soccer moms out there that drive pretty darn fast, so <laughs> take it for what it's worth. All
2: right. We will. Sue, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, Sue Herrera. Well, yet another lawmaker is raising eyebrows today for a series of well-timed stock trades, including in companies that stood to benefit from policy matters that came before committees he sat on. Senator David Perdue of Georgia, the subject of a New York Times report. Kate Kelly, one of the reporters that broke that story. She joins us now live. Kate, it's good to see you.
9: Good to see you too, Scott.
2: I, I printed this out, Kate. I have the trades right here. I mean, you could go up more than a hundred pages long, We are not talking about a small number of trades. Uh, What did you find?
9: So, first of all, the headline number, literally the headline of our story, is the fact that uh, Senator Perdue made close to 2,600 trades, 2,600 trades during his first term in the Senate of, of six years. We really have data for about five and a half years or so, because he sold off a lot of his stocks uh, in April, if not most of them. Um, But at the same time, this is a record uh, by Senate standards for that term. The next five senators who did the most trading activity combined are roughly equal to what Senator Uh, Purdue did during that time frame. Now, it's important to state that this is lawful as far as we know. Uh, It's it's legal for members of Congress to trade stocks, including stocks that may uh, rise or fall depending on what happens with the government work those members of Congress and the Senate are doing. This is a uh, privilege enjoyed only by Congress and a few others in government, including the vice president and the president. It's verboten in other areas of government. But at the same time, it does raise many questions about number one, the sheer level of activity. Number two, some of the cross currents between his committee work and the relevant companies that he may have been buying or selling while he was on those committees and subcommittees. You mentioned,
2: you know, the, the law and that it is legal um, for members of Congress to, to trade stocks. Some of Senator Perdue's trades, though, as you point out in the story, have been looked at by investigators in the past, including in a company called Cardlytics?
9: That's right, Scott. So Cardlytics is a card a data analysis firm in Atlanta. Uh, Senator Perdue was on its board before he joined government. And when he joined government, he had options that vested. And they also did him a favor of sort of extending the period of time in which he could own those options Theoretically, so he could take advantage of it as a public stock when it went public, which it did in 2018. So long story short, he has continued to hold cardlytic stock in recent years. And there was a point in January where he directed his broker at Goldman Sachs to make a cardlytic sale two days after receiving an email from the CEO of Cardlytics that alluded vaguely to upcoming changes. Now, that email ended up being a misfire. The CEO told Senator Perdue it was a misfire. And as it turned out, that CEO was making plans at the time to step down and did so, I think, about six weeks later, um, which that, as well as some uh, information about missing future sales targets caused a drop in the stock. Um, So arguably, Senator Perdue averted some losses there. But the Justice Department looked into that, Scott. This is a story we broke at The New York Times. They ultimately did not bring any charges. They ultimately found that there was just not enough compelling evidence um, of any sort of insider trading here. So they dropped it.
2: Do do we know in reality how involved Senator Perdue has been in his own portfolio rather than his wealth manager at, at Goldman Sachs? I ask you that because, you know, we're talking about FireEye is a is a key name within these documents that you have, um, which he Mm -hmm. owned uh, while he sat on the cyber panel. He bought and sold that stock 61 times. Um, There's another uh, company called BWX in which Senator Perdue bought shares in that provides components for nuclear subs. That was a month before he became chairman of the Sea Power Subcommittee. He sat on banking, housing and urban affairs while buying stocks and owning stocks in J.P. Morgan and Bank of America. Do we have any idea, Kate, how much Senator Perdue was doing this himself?
9: So as a top line matter, Scott, Senator Perdue has told us repeatedly that he had no discretion over his trading, that it was handled via a managed fund. Uh, managed by Goldman Sachs. He has an Atlanta based wealth manager there who I think he's worked with for a long time. And apparently there are also some other advisors that Goldman hires. And uh, that has been his explanation on the vast majority of these trades. He has said they are done by his broker, not at his discretion. Now, Cardlytics obviously shows us that at least on some occasions he has exercised discretion because with Cardlytics, that trade from January that I mentioned a few minutes ago, he actually called his broker at Goldman Sachs and said, I want to sell some of this stock. Um, So at least on some occasions, he has influenced trades. Uh, But he has said that in large part, he has not. Right now, uh, we're told the only individual stocks he holds are Cardlytics and two others that are stock and companies related to uh, directorships that he had before he joined government. These are sort of legacy holdings for him. And that everything else at this point has essentially been put into mutual funds, uh, perhaps ETFs. Uh, He owns a number of municipal bonds in Georgia and elsewhere, and he's no longer in individual stocks at this point.
2: Well, you that's interesting. You you, you bring that up. Um, You know, some of the most interesting activity that you have in here, Kate, um, did occur between April 14th and April 16th when he virtually the senator did sold everything. Um, yes. I have lists of stocks here from Coca-Cola to City to Caterpillar to Apple, Bristol Myers, Boeing, Wells, Verizon, J.P. Morgan, Merck, Lilly. Um, that's just on the 16th of April. Kate, you could keep going to DuPont and Berkshire and Bank of America, Micron. I mean, there are a lot of, of, of well-known and household names that the senator sold between those couple of dates, April 14th to the 16th.
9: Right. That's right. Our understanding is that he offloaded uh, the vast majority of his stock positions during that period of time. And by the way, I want to give a hat tip to Senate Stock Watcher, which is a third party um, analysis site that gathered all these public Senate filings and generated lists like the one you're looking at. They did some really good work there uh, that we analyzed for our story. But uh, yes, he seems to have sold off a boatload of stocks at that time. And it might be worth mentioning as well, Scott, as long as we're talking about this year's trading, uh, Senator. Purdue has gotten into some trouble, at least with his campaign opponent in Georgia, uh, over some trading he did when coronavirus was on the radar, but the outbreak was not fully underway, or at least Americans did not understand that it was getting well underway in late February. At that time, he bought Pfizer, he bought DuPont, he also uh, sold Caesars Entertainment during a period of time in late February, early March, and that has raised a lot of eyebrows because that would almost suggest that he had a, a sense about the virus that others perhaps did not. However, um, he also was buying, interestingly, uh, Delta and Walt Disney during that same time. So those would seem to be mitigating trades. If you were aware of what was going to happen with the virus, you probably wouldn't have bought those stocks. They weren't even at their lows yet.
2: It's it's so interesting. February 26th, he starts buying Pfizer again on the 27th, again on the, the 28th. and And as we know, there were briefings that were had, Kate, Um, that senators got about the virus. We don't know, by the way, and it's important to note that we don't know if Senator Perdue was part of a a briefing that did take place for uh, senators in late January. So there's a lot. I should
9: correct there. I think the the January 24th hearing uh, that resulted in a DOJ investigation of some other senators, Mm -hmm. notably Richard Burr of North Carolina, uh, Senator Perdue did not attend. Now, is it possible he was in the information flow through other Senate business? Certainly is possible. Uh, He has said he was not at that January 24th hearing. He has said uh, he was not trading on any inside government information at coronavirus uh, outbreak time or any other time.
2: Well, the bottom line of this story, Kate, I think is that it shocks a lot of people that are lawmakers allowed to trade stocks the way that they do based on the information that they have access to than most other people in uh, less serious situations, I would say, uh, are not able to take advantage of, uh, which is stunning and shocking in and of itself that it's all allowed to happen.
9: Right. I, I think that's why this is raising questions. I mean, you've got a, a senator who's a very active stock investor, or at least was until recently, and it all appears to be legal, uh, all of which begs the question, does the Stock Act of 2020, to 2012, which tightened up uh, senator and members of Congress' ability to trade and also forced uh, more disclosures, actually made it possible for a story like this to happen with those disclosures, does that need to be tightened up? Does it need to better reflect the rules that most of government have to adhere to in the executive and judicial branches, which are essentially you can't own a security or a stock. Uh, whose performance and with it, your financial performance might be affected by a government matter that you're involved with. If you're if you're involved in such a matter, you have to recuse.
2: Good report, Kate. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Kate Kelly, New York Times. Straight ahead. The Investment Committee reacting to the calls on Tesla and Square today. We're back after this.
4: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
10: B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain.
2: Welcome back. Shares of Tesla upgraded to a buy today, a new street high price target, $780 at Goldman Sachs. They see a shift towards EVs happening faster than expected. You wouldn't. What a shock, John Najarian. You own calls. (laughs) What a shock. Can you believe that's the reason why they upgraded the stock, John?
3: (laughs) Well, Scott, uh, you'd be grasping for reasons at why they hadn't done it earlier, of course, Uh, But now uh, this is a great move by Goldman. Um, It's a recognition of what Elon Musk has actually done in terms of delivery. So I continue to own it. I own the uh, upside calls, and it's just been a great ride. I don't intend on getting out of this one, Scott.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they admit they missed it. This concern that we had about uh, second half of 2020 growth slowdown was incorrect, they say. And since our downgrade, uh, the stock is up 192%. All right, for more on Goldman's upgrade on Tesla, you can check out the write-up. Go to CNBC Pro. Go to cnbc.com slash pro. Up next, John's latest trades and unusual activity. We're back in just two minutes for that. All right, Doc, you're up. Unusual. Tell us what you got.
3: All right, Scott. Well, EEM is the first one, Scott, because it's just so darn big. Uh, somebody steps up, buys a hundred and fifteen thousand calls that 's eleven and a half million shares of e e m equivalent scott and that 's a big trade, one of the bigger we 've seen in a, quite a while it 's had all of its alpha over the past month because you look at it um, and it was up eleven percent two months ago, and the market was sort of middling around, and now it 's just really popping to the upside so they 're buying the fifty three calls Scott. I bought those i'll probably be in this trade in the neighborhood of a month from now second trade take a look at neo we were just talking about electric vehicles and so forth with the tesla and the goldman upgrade neo they're buying december 24th so christmas eve uh, the 50 calls scott so you've got basically three weeks for these i'm in these calls i was i was already in neo I'm back in in a bigger way now, and I'll probably be in them two to three weeks.
2: All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Doc. Gold prices higher for the week. We'll find out how the futures traders are playing that. We'll do it next. It's time for the futures outlook. Gold is trying to claw back some gains after losses in November. Let's bring in Bill Baruch of Blue Line Futures for more on today's move. A lot of people have been talking about what gold's been doing relative to the dollar, wondering how long that was going to last. you think we're going to get a pickup in December?
1: I think we will. Thanks, Judge. Thanks for having me on. And this is the week that reminds everybody that gold is not dead here. Hollywood writers could not have scripted last week any better. We saw the break below, tremendous support at 1850. We saw a move into options expiration right around the round 1800. And then we flushed on the futures expiration for December at the end of last week into Monday. And now the cleansing is over. We can rebuild and begin to repair. I wouldn't chase it, though, uh, into 1850. I'm looking for a little pullback into 1825. Listen, the Fed is going to remain accommodative. Get the gold's going to go higher. The new stimulus is going to come, and we're going to get inflation. I want to buy at 1825. I want to get a stop down below the low, 1765, uh, risking 60 bucks on a 50 ounce contract. That's risking three thousand dollars. My target at the upside is 2020. Uh, uh, sorry, 1925. And at that, you're going to make $100, and that's a $5,000 gain. This is a nice little swing trade here. Uh, And I expect gold, very seasonally, bullish time of year, the second half of December.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know it's up against the safety trade and uh, the reopening idea and everything else. So we'll see if this year is, in fact, different. Bill, good to talk to you. We'll see you soon. That's Bill Baruch. Blue Line Futures joining us there. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. We'll get to final trades in just a minute. Weiss, you want to talk about XPO? Uh, For what? What's on your mind?
6: They announced last night they're splitting the company in two, the logistics business and then the less truckload business. This points out how valuable logistics are. Serato owns a big position there. Link owns a position there. Wells Fargo raised their price target. Base case to 158. I think it gets a lot lot higher, maybe goes through that, because both are now great consolidation candidates. So I'd stick with XPO. Core position, phenomenal company.
2: John Egerian, uh Best Buy and Bank of America calls, you just bought those?
3: Yes, I did, Scott. Uh, Bank America, well, Morgan Stanley put out a very interesting note earlier this week, very positive on the big banks. Um, also, uh, their improvement uh, on profits in the second quarter was immense. Uh, so I bought those. They were calls that expire next Friday, Scott. The other one, basically Best Buy Um, You know, the Adobe reading on this was about 11 billion on Cyber Monday. I think the lead into Cyber Monday was big as well. So I bought both.
2: Okay, Carrie, final trade. Could you give me a name, please?
5: Uh, Schwab. Uh, Charles Schwab is on an uptrend, user friendly, great technology, higher interest rates helps.
2: Josh, you
0: used to own that one, too. What do you got for us? Um, I. I would basically want to talk. Um, I want to change mine on the, on the fly. I'll, I'll do Shaq, actually. Look, okay. I, I, I have right, a we... bunch of these stocks that are reopened stocks, but this is breaking out right now. Okay. And, uh, I got go. long As a long-time owner.
2: Doc, give me a quick All name and right. Weiss a quick name.
0: TLT
3: puts, Scott.
2: Alibaba. All right, guys. Thank you. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
10: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.